situation, trouble, action, result. Welcome to Inspiring Leaders, the podcast that shares ideas, perspectives, and best practices from great leaders around the world to help you become a more inspired leader. Welcome back to another episode of Inspiring Leaders. I'm your host and executive coach, Terry Lepofsky, and I want to thank you for choosing us today. We have another great show lined up for you, and I think you're going to be happy that you tuned in today because we're going to hear from an awesome sales trainer, consultant, and keynote speaker who's going to help us appreciate and become a little bit clearer when it comes to storytelling for leaders. Our esteemed guest today is a friend, a respected colleague, and a valued corporate trainer. Mr. Ed Bielat, the president of StorytellingSales.com. Ed Bielat, welcome to Inspiring Leaders. Thanks so much for joining us here today. Thank you so much, Terry. I was really humbled by your request. Happy to be here. Kind of twisted your arm for a little while on this one. I really wanted to get you on here because I absolutely love your approach. But before we jump into that, Ed, what leader has inspired you and why? That's a good one. I was actually thinking about that last night, going through the names. Hey, what I'm going to say, Gandhi, Churchill, Mother Teresa, Steve Jobs. (laughs) And then my wife came home. She actually came from a leadership conference and she's carrying a book with her. So she asked me, okay, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm preparing for the podcast tomorrow with Terry. And I'm trying to find a leader who inspires me. He says, well, why don't you read this book? And I look at the book, and uh, it's a cookbook. Really, do you think I'm going to get inspired? And she says, well, okay, just read the first two pages, okay? (laughs) And sure enough, (laughs) that was a very inspiring story, because this cookbook was uh, written by Janet and Greta Padleski. The, the Looney Spoon collection, if you know that one. Well, all I know is they've got Ski at the end of their last name, just like I do, so they can't be bad people. <laughs> yeah, I really tried today, Terry. <laughs> so, and it's an incredible story of two women who basically put everything on the line to create the first world's funny and healthy cookbook. And I mean, they actually sold everything they had. They quit their jobs on the same day. They went through no income stage for two years. in debt, were rejected by more than a dozen publishers, and in the end, they made it big, like really big. And that's an inspiring story. Wow, I like that. And talk about unique. We haven't had anybody talking about these two cookbook authors before. Absolutely. So, like, I I have that book. (laughs) And let me know how some of their recipes turn out, okay? Yeah, I'm working on it for sure. Ed, let me back up a little bit here. I want to set the stage because, like you, Ed, I've worked with a lot of business and organizational professionals from lots of different industries and geographical areas. As an executive coach, many of my clients realize the importance of public speaking, so we often end up spending time helping people to become more impactful on stages and boardrooms and in business meetings with partners and customers and stakeholders. And I have to say that I've seen an unmistakable trend, and I know that you're seeing the same thing. It's the desire to incorporate storytelling into their meetings, presentations, and performances. You're seeing this too, aren't you, Ed? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I was working with a senior executive last year. He realized that absolutely nobody was really listening to his presentations anymore. They're all on their Blackberries or their iPhones, 
Well, maybe it's the shortening attention span phenomenon that seems to be happening to all of us, or maybe it's that people's expectations have changed, but he definitely noticed a serious lack of engagement. So he made the bold move to ditch all of his scripts, all of the podiums at all the places he spoke at, and to move to a TEDx style of storytelling with his public speaking. He bought the book Talk Like Ted for himself and for all of his communication staff, and he hired me to help him prepare for his talks and deliver them with a more engaging style. And you know what? It worked. Absolutely. It worked brilliantly, actually. His audiences are now way more engaged. They're participating more in his presentations, and they take away a lot more from it every single time. The thing about this story is it's not just an isolated event. I know, Ed, you'll back me up on this. This is just one example to illustrate of what I call a tidal wave of storytelling in the professional world. The absolute best quote comes from the CEO of Berkshire Hathaway. Warren Buffett was quoted as saying, the best leaders are storytellers. Well, you can't get a better endorsement of this style of presenting than a quote like that from Warren Buffett. So this is why I wanted you on the show, my friend. I'm really glad that you joined us because I consider you to be one of the foremost experts on storytelling. If you don't mind, Ed, give us a little bit of a background on how you've come to help salespeople and busy professionals get more engaging. Help us appreciate what kind of an impact that this can have for people who are listening today. Terry, as you mentioned, the attention span, that's the biggest problem in today's society, right? So in the year 2000, the attention span was around 12 seconds. Today is around 8 seconds. There's a comparison, the attention span of the goldfish is around 9 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Does it mean? That means if you go to Walmart, you know where they have their seasonal stuff at the back of the store, right? and you practice your sales pitch in front of the aquarium or fish tank, like a fish in the tank will actually pay more attention to you than shoppers. <laughs> You're funny. That's hilarious. It's a sad thing, but it's a scientific thing. Right, yeah. Through my career, I've been a telemarketer, a sales rep, sales manager, account manager, director, VP. So I came to discover storytelling as probably the only vehicle which is left to us to get anybody's attention and to have that human connection with other people. Yeah. I haven't invented this. Basically came to me through a discovery, and that discovery happened in the most unusual place in the Tim Hortons parking lot. About 18 years ago. Well, you got to mention what Tim Hortons is because we have an international audience. I think we're in about 60 countries. Yeah, yeah. So it's a coffee shop here in Canada. Oh, it's an iconic coffee shop. Right. <laughs> uh, one morning I was driving to work and uh, my poor old Honda died in the middle of the road. Yeah. So I managed to push it off the street to the Tim Hortons parking lot. And uh, while I'm waiting for my mechanic friend, um, I'm making cold calls, um, and these cold calls are really cold calls because it's Canada. It's December 19th, and it's minus 27 degrees. I guess I could go inside Tim Hortons and get coffee, but I didn't want my prospects to hear the background noise. The other reason I don't go inside, I'm extremely stressed and frustrated because as a new immigrant coming to Canada, I landed this job. It took me eight months to get it. Yeah, It's a sales job. I work for a leading telecommunication company, and I'm selling phones. And it's December 19th. I'm behind the quarter. I have to make something fast. 
And my only hope is one of the hotels in downtown, Lord Elgin Hotel, which I know they may have a need. So I keep calling and calling, and I think on the seventh attempt, general manager finally picks up the phone, and this is how our conversation goes. Uh, good morning, Mr. Smythe. Uh, this is Ed Bilat calling from the Wireless Business Solutions. How are you doing this morning? And then he says, Ed, so let me stop you right there. Okay, first of all, where did you get my cell number? Second, it doesn't really matter because you called me five times this morning. And uh, while I appreciate your persistence, it's unprofessional and annoying. Third, there's no way we're changing our wireless providers. Because three months ago, we signed a contract with your com competitor, and it's a three-year contract. Fourth, I don't think much about your company because your phones don't work by my cottage. Ed, are you still there? <laughs> yeah, talk about a challenge, right? What I'm going to do. Yeah. So the guy just gave me five objections. He doesn't like me. He doesn't like my company. He despises the telecommunication industry, and they don't need my product. Just to be polite, I'm just saying, yes, Mr. Smythe, uh, I'm still here. And then he says, listen, in addition to calling me five times, you also sent me 10 emails this week. And in your signature, I see that you have a degree from the University of South Alabama. And when I'm talking to you right now, you most certainly don't sound like a guy from Mobile, Alabama. I mean, like, what's your story? Can you even say y'all? And then I say, yes, sir. Y'all come on back now. You hear? <laughs> and then he says, listen, Ed, it's Christmas. Why don't you come to my hotel tomorrow? We'll go for a coffee. And I want to hear your Alabama story in person. Yeah. And I did. And the rest was history. Not only we were able to get his business, he introduced me to our hotel association. And one by one, I started closing large deals, like with Marriott, Novotel, Sheraton, Brook Street, Radisson. They all became my client. And the most important thing that David Smythe to this day is my friend. I actually seen him this morning. And we still go to this hotel and we go for a coffee. So that was a huge lesson to me how powerful stories are. So never mind the objections, never mind the goldfish distraction. You can still have a human genuine conversation and storytelling is the way to do it. You got me sitting on the edge of my seat just telling that story right now. It's amazing how engaging a story can be. Why is that, Ed? And is there a great way to tell a story? Well, there's been a lot of research done and it's very interesting. I've seen the results. An interesting, engaging story is being told. They actually they measured the frequency of two brains. Yeah. So the listener and the speaker, amazingly, both brains start working on the same frequency, and they actually illuminate at the same time. It's hard to describe, but this is what's actually happening in the true, genuine conversation. Both brains start working in unison, and people actually listen and pay attention. And as long as that story is engaging and relevant, they will stay and they will listen. In essence, that's the beauty and the miracle of storytelling. So people literally get on the same wavelength, so to speak. Yes, exactly. So on both uh, brains ignites in the same fashion. I've seen the, the results. It's amazing. Well, that sounds awesome. But let me ask you this now, Ed. When it comes to sales, because I know that you help a lot of salespeople as well, how do you incorporate storytelling into sales. Sales is actually a human conversation. It's just one little thing which makes it unhuman. And that thing is called objection. Imagine if you go to somebody and tell, why don't you buy my product? And they say, oh, great. Yeah, so I'll buy it. 
However, people have an objection. The first thing is objection is actually good. If somebody is objecting to your approach, that means they're interested. Otherwise, they would just tell you, like, go away. What funny is what happens after that, then the objections do come in, it becomes a fight, a boxing match, where people start exchanging punches. If I do this, you do this. If I do this, you do this. Yeah, people sort of get vested in their own interest and they want to protect their own position, right? Right. Yes. So, like, would you like to buy this product? No. Why not? On and on. Right. Exactly. I'm not a decision maker. And who you are? A janitor? So, right away, it becomes a very unpleasant conversation. There is a better way. There is a way to move from that exchanging of punches to having a human conversation. Okay, so tell me how storytelling is going to help with that. So instead of saying, we're the best in the world, we're going to take care of you, you're in the good hands, the approach may be slightly different. So for example, you can say, listen, everybody is unique, and I appreciate your objection. I understand you have a few concerns about this. Three months ago, we had a situation just like yours. I was working with a company, ABC, and they had similar problems. This is what we were able to do. And this was the end result. Again, I don't know if it's going to work for you. You be the judge. So right away, it's a completely different approach because the person sees this, okay, you're not putting your will, you're not making me to make that decision. You're creating a story. You're building a parallel universe, so to speak, which is safe to talk about as a seller and safe to talk as a buyer. And now we're talking about the story. And we're discussing the relevance of that story to that particular situation. Does that make sense? Yeah, it sounds to me like the regular sales approach would be more of a persuasion in trying to get somebody to change their behavior, but without really highlighting the benefit for them. It's more like the benefit for the salesperson. But what you're talking about is beyond persuasion. This is influence by giving them an example of how it benefited somebody else. Exactly, because if you just say like, hey, I want to tell you a story, the reaction would be, why, right? So, but if you say, okay, I had a similar situation in the past, and this is where you go to your library of stories, and you borrow a particular book with the similar circumstances. For example, if you're a financial planner, like so you go to the financial vertical. So if you're in the food business, you go to your library stories of food companies you work with, and you find a similar book and you read from this book, and then you let the prospect, the person you're talking to, the buyer, to make that conclusion. Is this as relevant? Is it going to work for me in my particular situation? Yeah, once they see the benefit that's happened elsewhere, now they're intrigued. Yeah, exactly. What it's doing is it's leading somebody towards a better future. That's right. Now, let's take this a step further. We talked about storytelling for sales. Let's talk about storytelling for leaders. I highlighted a really good quote that I've heard from Warren Buffett, the best leaders are storytellers. Tell us a little bit more about that. Why is storytelling so effective for leaders? Well, I'm going to reply with another quote from Maya Angelou. What she said, people will forget what you did. People will forget what you said, but they would never forget how you made them feel. So, And that's, in essence, what leadership is all about, right? So how you make people feel around you. So it's very easy and tempting to go with the corporate spiel. We must do this, this, and this. 
as you mentioned, your client, the audience would completely turn off. They wouldn't even listen to this anymore, right? Yeah. Then you're telling an engaging story, just like we were talking about in the sales conversation. Instead of telling somebody what to do, you show the path of doing it. And if they truly sync and they truly understand the meaning of your story, they no longer need that external motivation. So you don't need to push them every day. So they already have that fire which has been ignited inside and they are led by it. And uh, so they could do that and make their own decisions. It's just how you spark that fire initially. This is where the storytelling is so powerful. I think one of the reasons that this strikes me as such an effective tool for leaders is that oftentimes people need some way of connecting with the purpose of an organization, the vision of an organization or the mission of an organization. And storytelling is a great tool to do that because it can give people concrete examples of where somebody else is really connected to it, or more importantly, what that organization's behavior or actions is doing to better the lives of other people around them. And to back that one up, a real quick story from another client of mine who worked in an organization with a lot of manufacturing. He had employees on his team that were based out of a small town in Mexico. They were all working on an assembly line, and he kept asking me and wondering about how he could inspire his team. And we started looking back to the corporate purpose of what it was that they wanted to do for their clients. So I suggested to him to do a little storytelling, but not through verbal means, because a lot of his employees spoke a different language. They were Spanish, and there really wasn't a lot of time to sort of huddle everybody together. So instead, what we did was he went out there and found photos of the end client using the products that these folks were manufacturing. They say a photo tells a thousand words. Mm -hmm. He got them blown up and put up on the walls all around with small quotes that were translated into Spanish. This is how this product has helped me. This is how our company has been transformed by the stuff that we get from this company. Those images were really storytelling for those frontline workers on that assembly line. Yeah, absolutely love it. So this is visual storytelling in action. I think that this is where leaders really can capture the hearts and the passion of those people. You can't motivate somebody. Motivation has to come from within. But what you can do is you can show them something that inspires their motivation, something that makes that motivation well up inside of them and want to be part of something. So this is where I see that storytelling as really a powerful means to try to get an engaged workforce or engaged clients out there, as you talked about. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, Ed, if you don't mind, is there a format that people can use? Is there a structure that people can use? Because everybody talks about using storytelling more, but a lot of people are really sort of lost in saying, what does that mean? What is storytelling? How do I do that? Sure. So there is multiple models uh, of doing a story, five steps, seven steps, 11 steps. For our discussion today, let me give you something really simple. Four letters. It's called STAR, right? So S is stands for situation. Okay. So this is where you describe the situation. Kind of go back to my Tim Horton story. On the December morning, I was driving to work and my poor old Honda died. So this is the situation. The next letter, T, trouble. So like, where is the trouble? I'm sitting in my car. It's frozen. It's my first job in Canada. I'm extremely stressed. I have to close. Everything is on the line. 
it means so much to me and it's December 19th, I'm gonna lose it. So that's the trouble. The other letter is A, actions. What actions have I took? So I made those cold calls, right? And I was able to tell my story. So thank God David Smythe was actually interested in the story more than in my objection handling techniques at the time. And then the end results. We were able to become friends and partners. So he was able to introduce me to the hotel change, so which led me to the President's Club to become a VP. So it changed my whole life. So the acronyms would be TAR, Situation, Trouble, Action, Result. I am going to throw out a challenge for everybody right now. Sometime in the next week, try and use that STAR formula to see if you can put together a short storytelling model to relate something to others so that they are better engaged and just watch and see what happens. We're going to have the show notes up at the bottom here with links to Ed, links to storytellingsales.com, and all of the good places to find Ed out there. Before I let you go, Ed, i got a couple more questions for you. What challenges does Ed Bilat see facing many of the leaders out there today? That's a good one. I think it's the speed of change. Things are moving extremely fast. And what worked yesterday will not work today and will not work tomorrow, for sure. So the question is, how do you adapt to stay relevant and still be true to yourself? For example, I don't know if you remember a few years ago, when I was in grad school, we all been brainwashed with that concept of management by wandering around. Oh, yeah, right. Of course. So like everybody was encouraged to get out of the offices, like the big bosses, open the door, take a pen and a notepad and start going and actually talk to your team. And which worked wonderful. Like it was a surprising move that all of a sudden management is talking to the regular line workers, like they're having a human conversation. Yeah, there were many good things that came out of that, right? Absolutely. So where is that technique now? Now that technique transitioned to instant messaging, right? So like teams exchanging instant messages every minute. But the question is, it sounds good in theory, but if you receive an instant message from your boss every 10 minutes, is that the same thing as sitting down and having a human conversation? Or did we just go back to the closed offices where you you don't see people anymore? Really good point. There's a lot less quality when you're not face-to-face. That's right. So this leads me to ask another question, Ed. What does inspired leadership mean to you? Yeah, that's a good question, too. So since English is not my first language, I actually opened a dictionary yesterday. And inspire translates to in spirit which means inspiration which comes from within. So it's something which pulls you towards something that stirs your heart, mind, or spirit. In essence, when we're inspired, we're not thinking about that final end state. Okay, I'm inspired now. In fact, when we're filled with inspiration, we wanted to hold on to that feeling for as long as possible. And this means that we can find inspiration just about anywhere. Like I think Simon Sinek, in his TED Talk, he mentioned that no one follows a leader for a leader. They follow a leader for themselves. And uh, the most inspirational leaders ignite a spark within their employees and follow that movement into action. So all is that to say that inspired leadership means to me three things. First of all, ability to see a unique story inside each of your team members. That's the first one. Second is ability to tell your own authentic story. 
And the third is ultimately creating a connection between these two. Amazing. I love how you've tied that back into storytelling. And I'm so glad that you've joined us here today, Ed. Thank you so much for being part of the Inspiring Leaders podcast. Thank you so much, Terry. It's my honor and my pleasure. Well, there you have it, folks. Another inspiring leader with another opportunity to make inspiring leadership ubiquitous. Thanks for joining us again here. Join us again next week. We'll be back with another great leader. And please don't forget to support us with your stars and your ratings on iTunes or wherever you listen to us. Thanks very much, everybody, for tuning in and joining us. Take care and bye for now. 